The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. series so we're looking at biblical concepts or big ideas that align themselves with the kingdom manifesto so that we can move ourselves into a position of practice and thereby aligning ourselves correctly with that manifesto we've learned that we are all going through seasons and within that season we have to make the most of our time and in that we begin to see the opportunities that God allows us to see within those seasons and that we have an opportunity to take hold of those seasons we have understood that the goal is not just to overcome a season but to have an eternal perspective knowing that our names are written in the book of life and in so keeping that eternal perspective we have to remain connected to him who is eternal, who is not bound by time, no space, and is not changed no matter what season that we face, that he remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that we've got to remain persistently connected to him, and that's why we need to persist in prayer. And we understood that to, in order for us to be able to persist in prayer, we have to have a healthy relationship with God, that without a healthy relationship, persistent prayer becomes difficult if not impossible so now we want to talk about the things that you chase within a season are the things that you would consider valuable if you consider something to be valuable you will either retain it or keep it or you are going to pursue it because you consider it to be such if something to you is not valuable, it is easy for you to throw it away, to disregard it, or not pay any attention to it at all. So what is it that we seek or what is it that we pursue is going to be determined by what it is that we consider to have value. So this is going to be a story of value, a story of value. If you would tend with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 to 46. Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 to 46. And the Bible reads, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Father, I thank you for this time. I pray that you would take over my mind. I yield everything I am to you. I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this alone. And so I ask your presence and I ask that you would take over and you take over my tongue and help me to speak your word in a way that it is clear and understood that we may run with it. I praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I've got some pictures here that I want to show you. And I've got an important question to ask you. Right? What would you consider valuable on this picture? So, if you can show them up. So, what's valuable here? Is it the water or is it the diamonds? Di I got one diamond. Anybody else? Water. 
It's not a trick question. <laughs> what do you consider valuable? Water, diamonds, okay, okay. What about the next one? Okay, so would you rather have a stack of United States bills, five, 10, 20, and 50 without the 100, or would you rather be a trillionaire in Zimbabwe by having a $100 trillion? Which one? <laughs> the, wow, that, that hurt, man. So you'd rather ha you don't want to be a trillionaire? Okay, neither do the Zimbabweans because that doesn't exist anymore. Okay, <laughs> the next one is simple. This one's the easiest one of them all. Show us. Okay, which one would you rather have? Obviously, football is the most valuable one, right? We agree? Football. The, the correct football where you use your feet. That's the most valuable one, right? But however way you answer that question, there is something that's already in you. Information that you've gathered through experience, whether you went to school or you studied or maybe you even in reading of the word, that creates a lens through which you're going to translate things. And that is what you use to determine for yourself what you would consider to be valuable. So when you see things, it's out of that lens that you interpret it and you say this I'm going to pick up or this I'm going to let down so even when you hear a word a thought or an opinion again it is going to be translated through the lens of the information the thoughts the philosophy that you've already built up in your mind to determine whether you're going to say hey this one thing is valuable or it is not valuable now I've always grown up and I loved watches so as far as I can remember, when I can remember, I have always loved to have a watch. So my mom had gone down to South Africa and she bought me a watch. It was a clock-faced watch. Really nice, really cool. And then I met a friend of mine and he had a digital watch. The numbers flashed. I was like, this is cool. It had a timer. And I was like, yeah, this is nice. So I went on and traded my watch for his. And then I went back home and I said, Mom, look what I did. And my mom was mad and disappointed because the value of that watch was way more than the one that I had traded. Because I didn't have the right lens from which to translate what is valuable or what is not valuable. And so what interests me as we read this parable is this man. What was it about him that helped him to understand that the thing that he had discovered was treasure? Because if he didn't understand, if he didn't have the right mindset, he would have walked by it. It is possible that some people already did walk by it. In the same manner, I'm going to give you a big, brief history of Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, there was gold, plenty of gold and plenty of diamonds. And they were everywhere. Now, within the system of existence of the local people, they did not see the gold and they did not see these diamonds as precious things. So it was everywhere and it was just easily available. Then when the settlers came, because in their system, in their understanding of how they did life, they knew that there was value in the gold and the diamonds. So it became easy for them to get this gold and diamonds, meeting little to no resistance at all. But what was different was the information that they had was different to the locals. And so that's why they were able to see the value of the stone, the value of the gold. What do you have in your mind and how do you navigate it that concerns you being able to see value? So that's why Jesus says, so picture this, the stories of the treasure and the pearl. The stories of the treasure and the pearl. So there has to be something about this man in order for him to be able to see this value. Now, 
before we get there, let us talk about the kingdom and why would the kingdom of God be considered valuable? Now, before we can talk about it being valuable, you've got to know what it is, right? If I showed you a fruit from Zimbabwe that you had never seen or heard of, you would never be able to determine whether it's valuable or not. Why? Because you don't know it. So you have to know what the kingdom is in order for you to understand that it has value. So, Dr. Miles Monroe, who uh, I, know, I don't know if some of you know him, give us a def- gives, us, gives us a definition of, of kingdom. And this is how he says it. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desires and the nature of his citizens. The idea or the concept of a kingdom does not come from men, but it comes from God. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, let us make man in our own image and let man have dominion. That word dominion is the Hebrew word mamlaka, which means kingdom. And so he's saying he's conferring a kingdom on us in which we can exercise the rulership of the king. And we understand that Adam then sells this kingdom principle by yielding himself to the devil. And then this young man, this young Hebrew man comes and he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And after he ends the fast, he comes out and this is the message he preaches. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand because the kingdom of God had arrived. What does the kingdom bring? The kingdom brings identity. It helps you and I understand who we are. It helps you and I understand how we are to function. It helps by giving you and I a culture, a value system from where we base life out of. It is not religion. It is a kingdom. That is what he desires out of us as a kingdom. Religion is a list of things that are do's and don'ts. And I often find myself doing the don'ts and not doing the do's. Religion makes it seem like the promise is when I get to heaven. So what I'm trying to do is just keep this thing tight so that it doesn't fall apart so that I can make it to heaven. But the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. That's what the kingdom is. It is now. It is in our midst where God is building something in you and I in the kingdom. And this man had the opportunity to see the value in it. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We must recognize the value of the kingdom in order to see it as treasure. If he had had the wrong worldview or the wrong lens, he would have missed it. So he had to know something in order to see his value. Watch this. Can you give me the next picture? Okay. How many of y'all remember these days? Anybody remember these days? Okay. You're not so far removed from it. You remember? Okay. Now, let me ask you this. At this period, did the value of the toilet paper change? It's not a trick question. No. 
2019, 2020, and today, we have not discovered new uses for the toilet paper. We use it for exactly the same thing. But in 2020, what changed was the information. The information that this man had told him that I am going to pay more for this because of the fact that it is scarce and I can collect it. Either I'm going to hoard it or I'm going to sell it. But the value didn't change. So what you know is going to determine what you're going to consider valuable. And that's what intrigues me about this guy. So let's look at this. Where was this kingdom? It's the first thing. Where is this kingdom? Luke chapter 17 verse 20 to 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's hidden in plain sight. Was in a field. And like I said, so many people walked across this field possibly, but didn't see it. What are you walking across and not able to evaluate and see some of the things that are valuable that you're just running across and not being able to see? The lens through which you translate things is allowing you to consider some things as valuable. And other things is not. What have you possibly walked by and just let go? And what have you picked up that you consider to be valuable when in actuality it is not? So I like this guy. I want to be like this guy. Because the kingdom is hidden in plain view. But he was able to see it. For us to see the value of the kingdom, our minds must be set on the right things. This is how Romans says it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If my mind is not set right, I cannot see God's good, God's pleasing and God's perfect will. My mind has to be set in the right frame in order for me to see the value of the kingdom or the value of God's will for my life. So I want to talk about this guy. Now, I coined it this way, how to be a treasure hunter. Okay, this guy's a treasure hunter. It sounded cool when I wrote it, so how to be a treasure hunter. Okay, so how do we become like this guy number one is get knowledge get knowledge the things you know are essential because knowledge is the building block to faith hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith is substance there is no such thing as blind faith. Faith is built up in substance. And the Bible says it is evidence of things that I do not yet see. What is evidence? Evidence is a collection of facts or information that determines whether a thing is valid or not. 
Evidence is a collection of facts or information that determines whether a thing is valid or not. Now, y'all watch those crime scene shows? Okay, only these people agreeing, but I know y'all watch it. Or you watch those crime movies. What happens at the scene of the crime? They go and they collect what? They collect evidence. Here's the question. Did they see the crime? So what is the evidence doing? The evidence is allowing them to piece together the ability for them to see what they did not actually see. So what information, what knowledge do you have in which you are building this faith in God? Because if that knowledge is messed up, then your faith is not going to be in the right place. That makes it then easy for you to miss what God is trying to do. Very key. See, we, we built our knowledge on things that are other than the word. Right? We spend our time listening to negative news. Then this is the confession that comes out of our mouth. America is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know how the Bible tells us, right? This whole thing is going to be destroyed, right? So, what's new? Why are, we why are we confessing that? Why are we talking that? The reason why that is coming out of your mouth is because of the information, the knowledge that you're feeding your mind. And by faith, you begin to speak that this country is going to hell in a handbasket. What would change is if you change the knowledge, the things that you are lending your ear to. If you change that, it would change your confession. You keep looking at information that tells you that you are good for nothing. What confession comes out of your mouth? Nothing good ever happens in my life. Because it's built on the things that you know. Then you miss the value that is inside of you. Because you're building it on incorrect knowledge. What do you know? Because what you know is what's going to build your faith. Where are you spending your time? Where are you lending your ears to? That's number one. Number two, have the right attitude. So, you know what you know. But how do you feel about what you know? Right? So we know it. Because sometimes it's not an issue of knowing. It's an issue of how we feel about what we know. Okay? How many of you all know you need to eat good? Eat healthy? How many of us do it? Why? Because it just feels better to eat chocolate. It just feels better to eat sweets. It just feels better to eat sugar. But I know that I ought to eat healthy. How many of us know that binge watching television is not good for you? How many of us still do it? Why? Because of how we feel. It just feels better to watch SVU. It just feels right. I escape the realities of this world. And I'm planted into something that doesn't matter. So I feel good. But I know that it is not good for me. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 4 and 23. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Because your emotions will pull you away from the truth that you know. Yeah. Now, who is in charge of these here emotions? Is it the preacher man? Is he in charge of the emotions? Am I in charge today? I'm in charge of your emotions. Is it me? Is it the church? Who's in charge of the emotions? It's you and I. 
That means that when you make the decision and the choice to say, I am not good enough, you are the one that's making that choice. Not having faith in yourself is the same as not having faith in God. You remember Exodus, right? When Moses tried it, Moses was like, oh me, oh my God. I'm just, I'm just not the guy. I don't know what information you've heard, God. But do you really know me? Do you know who I am? I cannot do what you're asking me to do. The Bible says in Exodus that the Lord burned with anger. Because what essentially was Moses was saying is, God, you are not good enough to determine who I am or the value that is inside of me. And this is how Hebrews puts it. If my righteous one should shrink back, I will not be pleased with him. So when we shrink back in faith, when we shrink back to do the things that God has called us to, when we look at ourselves and we invalidate ourselves, you are invalidating God. You're saying, God, your wisdom and your knowledge is not the same as mine. I know better than you. So this is time for you to look at yourself and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in his sight. I know that I'm called to do great and mighty things because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because of the lens through which I look at myself is the correct lens. So I see the value in who I am. Do you see that? Do you see yourself? Don't quit on you. Because you can't say I quit on myself, but I still hold on to God. Quitting on yourself, you've quit on God. We should not let our emotions run our lives. You've got to keep working hard at it. The third one is you got to move into action. You've got to move into action. In Matthew chapter 13 is the parable of the sower. When Jesus begins to explain the parable of the sower to the disciples, he explains and he says on the first one that the seed fell onto rocky ground. Essentially what, that, what he meant was the seed actually gets into somebody's heart. But the enemy... The devil comes and he wants to snatch it away. So which means that I can hear the word and I can actually have the right feeling. So that means I know what I know to be true and I have the right attitude towards it. But how does the devil then come and snatch it? It is in doing that you solidify your own convictions. Because the Bible says, if you follow my teachings and obey my commandments, then you will know the truth. It is one thing. To have a cognitive comprehension of this words. Jesus loves you. It's one thing to have a cognitive comprehension. I understand what those words mean. It's a totally different thing to experience it. Many of us just know. But we don't have experience. And so the enemy comes. And he takes that word away. How many times have you sat in a service like this. You hear something, it stirs up something in your heart. You think to yourself, yeah, I got this, I can do it. You walk out the doors, the enemy comes, floods you with the world, and before you know it, you forgot everything that you heard and learned. Why? Because you don't, he doesn't want you to put it into practice, because once you do, it solidifies it. And once it's solidified, nobody can 
take it away from you. Imagine somebody trying to convince you that the shirt color you're wearing is a different one. You would be wrong to submit yourself and say, I guess it's not green or it's not black when you're actually wearing that. That's what the enemy in the world is trying to do. To get you not to have a solid foundation in faith and what you know. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, the next verse starts by saying, stand therefore. How many of us know what we know, have the right attitude towards it, but when it comes time, we fall apart and we don't stand. It's time to stand. It's time to believe and take a hold of this thing. You know, you, you want to get deep into it. What's the worst that could happen? This is how Paul said, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. So where is the defeat? So I'm going to stand, and if it means death, bring it on. Because for me to die is gain. That's the deep conviction. That is not moved. What can you do to somebody who says that? Yeah. Put him in prison. And he's celebrating. He goes, now nah, I'm going to preach to the prisoners. <laughs> you cannot do anything to that person. And that's the position we need to find ourselves. When your mind is set on things above and not on earthly things, you are empowered to determine the cost of your pursuit. So what did this young man do? Well, I'm calling him a young man. He wasn't a young man. What does this man do when he found the treasure? He kept it together. Okay? He could have gone and said, hey, guys, I found treasure. I found treasure. I found treasure here. All of you come and see this treasure. He could have said that. But if he had, other people would have killed him for that treasure. Or they would have taken it away from him. But he kept his cool and he hid it in a place where nobody else would find it. He hid it in his heart. Because he knew the value of the thing that he had found. And then what does he do? He goes and he sells some of his possession. Some of his possession. Okay. Most of his possession. All of his possession. He determined the cost because he understood the value. What are you willing to pay for the kingdom? Some of your possession, most of it, or all of it. This is what the Bible says. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 30. But don't begin until you count the cost. Don't begin to build until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. It's like having one leg in the, in, in, in the kingdom and wanting to have the one, other one outside. Because I still want to keep my position. So, 
I believe Jesus is the Lord, right? That's one leg. But you're going to find me in the club. That's how I'm going to do it. Because, hey, I, you know, Jesus loves everybody, so it's cool. So I'm going to be in the club, and I've got this leg in, okay? You've just got the foundation. You haven't finished the building because you're not willing to give up this other possession. It's like having one leg and saying, you know what? I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to cuss like a sailor just like everybody else. It's like I've got one leg in the kingdom. I'm going to believe Jesus is Lord, but I'm terrible at life. I, I, I consider myself to be worth nothing. I'm, I'm a disgusting human being, but I do believe that Jesus cares. That's that one leg. And the world is looking at us. And the reason why the kingdom doesn't look attractive is because we're not all in. We still have the smell and the stench of the kingdom of the world. And so people that are in the world look at us and we don't look good. Because we're not willing to pay the full cost. Listen to me, everything you want in life is in the kingdom. And when I say everything, I mean everything. The Greek word for everything there is everything. The Hebrew word is everything. Whatever language you speak, everything means everything is in the kingdom. That is why this man was willing to give up everything he had to get the kingdom. Not a religion, but the kingdom. If we turn ourselves into a self-help class, that's all we do. We come to church for self-help, just so that I can be a better person for the day. We're missing it. Jesus didn't come to teach self-help. He came to teach a kingdom. Because in the kingdom, for me to function properly, I have to know the king. When I know the king and life flows from the king, I know who I am. I know what my value is. I know what to contend for. Listen, I, I know about struggles. I, I'm not immune to struggles. But a struggle with sin is, is, is not... If you struggle with eating chocolate, right? You, you, you don't sit on the couch while eating and go, oh my gosh, it's a struggle to let this thing go. That means you're not contending. You're not fighting. Struggle is, hey, don't bring this stuff into my house because I know if it's here, I'll eat it. So you fight to keep it away from you because you know where your weaknesses are. You surround yourself with people who are going to speak life into you and say, hey, we can help you overcome. That's contending. That's struggling. But oftentimes, we give in to the murmurings of our flesh. And in so doing, we invalidate the value of the kingdom from which we are. And we miss it. And then we do not give up all of our position to do it. Listen. We're building the kingdom of God here on this earth. So we're building it in you and in me. The kingdom is not going to be built in heaven. It's being built right here on earth, you and I. And this is how the Bible says it, Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever the kingdom of this world 
has become the kingdom of our God. That's what we contend for. And then this is what allows you and I to see the value in people. Because we understand that God is establishing his kingdom in my heart. Therefore, I can fight because I see the value in somebody else that they too would have the kingdom in theirs. The merchant, he's a model. The merchant is a model of how Jesus functions in the kingdom. Because the merchant, he, he has it all together. He has the knowledge, he has the understanding, and he has the correct worldview. So he's able to see, and so therefore he begins to pursue. He begins to pursue for a pearl. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, and they're searching. When the Lord found, he found you and I, and he found you and I to be valuable and that he was willing to give up everything for you and I and in so doing he received a glory where he sits at the right hand of the father because he understood the value of the thing that he pursued saints I'm here to tell you about you and the value that is in you the bible says the purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters which a man of understanding draws out that means god put value in you he put purpose in you in you is something of worth and something worth fighting for. And not just fighting, dying for. That's the worth that you have. And then he says, okay, I know what I put in you. But now that I know what I put in you, for you to discover it, you have to step into the kingdom. Because you have to be remain, you have to remain connected to the king in order to discover the deep purpose that's inside of you. Why? Because it was the king who put it in there. And so then, if you read your Be Transformed journal, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. Of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. For us to know the riches in this kingdom, we've got to know him. Do you know? We cry and clamor for revival. And the capacity for revival is in you and I. It is not outside. It is not in a distant land. It is not in a far off place that we continue to look up to. 
it is something that God has put on the inside of you and I. And once we align ourselves with the right understanding, we begin to pull it out. What will you pull out of yourself, saints? Because it, it, it cannot work that we run after the murmurings of the flesh and expect to pull out this deep well of purpose. Yeah. You have to be all in on the kingdom. You have to be all in on the kingdom. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. It says, let this mind that was also in Christ be in you, that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. Jesus understood value. He understood what was valuable, even though it didn't look like it, even though the world didn't deem it to be so. He understood value and was willing to pay up what will this kingdom cost you see salvation though free it actually came at a cost and the problem is the way we deal with free things we equate cost to value so because salvation is free even though it came at a cost we treat it as a free thing free in our minds the information that's in there says cheap but it came at a cost so which means if you are going to want to get into this kingdom thing it is going to come at a cost to give up everything in you to yield it to the king the business inside of you yielded to the king qualities of a nurse a doctor yielded to the king everything in you yielded to the king that's what that means bless the lord and all that is within me is not vigor strength i gotta use every energy in me no it's my hopes my purpose my reason for being my pursuit my goals, all that is in me. Bless the Lord. That's what it means. So here's a kingdom concept. A kingdom perspective guides what you value. And it will help you to determine the cost of what you need to pay. We have a savior who says when you give him his life, he actually gives you that life back. You hold on to it, you perish. You bow your heads with me. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, 
go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.